0: Good morning, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Glad you're here today. I'm glad I'm here today. I'm glad the Holy Spirit is here today. Let me invite you, if you would, to take your Bible and find the book of Romans. The book of Romans. Chapter 12, beginning with verse 9. This morning I want to talk to you about how to love the people you just don't like. Milly, you're laughing really loud over here. I'm not sure what chord that resonated with you, but Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Now, don't raise your hand, but is there somebody that's in your life that you just don't like, but you got to love them? Anybody got that? Okay. Oh, I see the hands. All right, we're not recording this, so it's okay. Well, we're not video recording it anyway. How to love the people you just don't like. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, Love must be sincere, that is, without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy, or the person you just don't like, if the person you just don't like is hungry, feed them. If the person you just don't like is thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There are people... In your school, I know school's out, but there are people in your school, people at work, and possibly people in your home that you just don't like, but as Christians we're required to love. So, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with the fact that there are just some people in our lives that we don't like, but we're required to love? God never requires us to like everybody, that's nowhere in the Bible. But it is required that we love, particularly those who are Christians. And there are Christians in your life that are good people, but you just don't like them for some reason, right? And that's normal. That's called life. And it'll be that way until we meet Jesus and we're all made perfect. And, and God tells them how wrong they were. <laughs> oh, come on. That was a good one. You gotta, I'm going to tell a joke if you don't laugh. Okay, I'm going to tell one. I, I really like eye jokes, right? No. Oh, no. The cornier, the better. I told you, it's you. Funny you the second time. It's not. It's not as. It was funny the first time. <laughs> <It was. laughs>
1: my, my grandchildren keep telling
0: me jokes, and I have to repeat them because they're really good jokes. So. When they tell me that, and I laughed out loud for five minutes. I just thought that was hilarious. The cornier the better. I'm sorry. I'll get back. I'll get back to preaching. <clears throat> so, how do we love people? in the midst of the fact that there's some things about them we don't like, what do we do with that? How do we, how do we live life? The, verse 18 tells us, it says, if it's possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It does depend on you. It depends on me. It depends on us. We, we have to make a choice, exactly. We have to make a choice that I'm going to love this person in spite of the fact that there's some things about them I don't like. And we have to recognize that God calls us to love these people. And here's the thing. There's probably some things about you they don't like either, right? right? And I think if we lined all of us up in a room and went around, we could probably say, well, there's something, you know, I don't like about this one or that one or this one or that one. And that would be true in any room anywhere in America, right? That's just, that's human nature. But we are called to love. What does the Bible say? First, it says the love that we have for people must be sincere. It must, we can't be two-faced, right? And so we have to have this, this life that we live without hypocrisy as best we can. That kind of love only comes from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God pours his love into our heart through the Holy Spirit. So it's a Holy Spirit love. It's agape love. It's the Greek word for it. But it's a Holy Spirit love where the Holy Spirit says, if you'll let me, I will love that person through you. And that requires surrender that requires me surrendering. That requires me surrendering what I want, my choices, and surrendering to the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, how can I love this person that I don't like? But how can I love this person? Holy Spirit, come love that person through me. It's absolutely amazing when you trust the Holy Spirit with the love that he's pouring into your heart. When you trust him with that, it's amazing how God will give you opportunity to share that love with someone else. The second thing it says it says, Love the good that you see in others, but hate the evil. You know, we've been taught that Christians aren't supposed to hate. Well, the scripture plainly says that we're to hate what is evil. It's okay to hate the evil things that we see. There's some evil things going on in the world right now. Have you noticed that? If you pay attention, you've seen some of those things. It's okay to hate that. It's okay to have a, a holy anger about some of the horrible things that are taking place in, uh, around the world. So it's okay to hate evil. But it's also good, as the Bible says, it's also good to love and to cling to um, that which is good. Love the good in other people. You may not like somebody, but there's good in them. If they are Christian, there's good in them. Would you agree with that? If they are Christian, even if they're not acting like a Christian on any particular day, week, month, or the past 10 years, right? If they are a believer in Jesus Christ, there is good in them. There's Jesus in them. And the Bible says that we are to love the good that we see in others. So that person you don't like, find an opportunity to find Jesus in their life and to acknowledge that and say, I see, that's good, Jesus is in you. The third thing, it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now, this is a different word that Paul's using here. He used the word agape, now he's using the word phileo, which we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. This is a brother love. Be devoted to one another as brothers are devoted to one another. You know, a brother might say, I've got your back, or, you know, I'll take care of this, or let me fight this fight for you. You know, brothers come together and help one another. But the Bible is saying that we should be devoted to one another with this kind of love. I should be devoted to Wayne with this kind of love in his life. If he comes to me and says, Jim, I've got a problem. I need some help. Then I need to say, Wayne, how can I help you? And I need to step into his life. That's the kind of brother love we have. That's the reason we gather on Sunday mornings. You realize that, right? That's, that's one of the main reasons we gather. It's not to sing songs, although that's wonderful. It's not to hear a sermon or some really great jokes, right? Which you didn't hear this morning. Sorry. It's not, that's not the main purpose of being here. The main purpose of being here is for somebody to walk up to Gary and say, Gary, what do you need this week? How can I help you this week? And Gary's going to say, I'm, I'm going to Hawaii. I'd like someone to take my place. And I'll say, I'll do it. I'm a team player. I'm taking one for the team, right? That's brotherly love. Gary, I will take your place. You don't want to go to Hawaii. He's got no comment. He's not saying a word. That is why we gather. is to look at one another and say, what do you need? I want to be devoted to you in brotherly love. Third thing it says is honor one another above yourselves. Sometimes that's hard, isn't it? Sometimes I just want my way. Are there times you just want your way? right? And you just wish other people could see that your way is the right way and that they should serve you and do what you want them to do? Have you ever noticed that? Anybody got a problem with that? Anybody, anybody seen that in life? Free people, great. rest of you are liars. <clears throat> I'll preach on that next week. <clears throat> in my lifetime, all 39 years. I have <laughs> I'll, I'll preach to myself next week online. Yeah. Pray on that one. I don't think that'll help. I've never seen a more self-centered society than, than we're living in. And, uh, you know, the iPhone has helped us with that, or whatever phone takes a picture nowadays, because we have selfies everywhere. It's astounding to me the number of people that fall off cliffs taking selfies. (laughs) Didn't their mama tell you you don't get that close to a cliff, especially when it's wet and there's water going over it? You back off a little bit, right? You let somebody else stand on that side of it and take the picture the other way, right? Let them fall off. But you don't fall off. (laughs) Selfies. Selfies. I mean, when something's named an iPhone, an iPad, an iPod, an iScooter, you know, an iScreen, when it starts with an I, it's going to be a problem with it, Right? But not everything. Good ice cream. There is good ice cream. I stand corrected. <laughs> Debbie and I were eating ice cream in the middle of the blackout the other night. You know, with the power was out for two hours over here in this neighborhood. And we had those little cups of ice cream. I told her, I said, we better eat all of that because it's going to melt. <laughs> there we are, sitting in our safe spot, eating ice cream. out of the little cups like that with, with a flashlight on. That was good ice cream, wasn't it, honey? It's good ice cream. We had an odd number of cups, so we split the last one and we shared. Ain't that sweet? <laughs> bless those who you don't like. Don't curse them. Bless those who you don't like. Don't curse them. So if you're around them, give them a blessing. Even if they're being rude, self-centered, obnoxious, bless them. Rejoice in their good fortune. Right? It says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, sometimes when we don't like somebody and something bad happens to them, what do we say? Do what? He had it coming, right? Couldn't happen to a better person, right? right? Isn't that what we say? Under our breath, we're going, praise Jesus, right? I mean, come on, let's be real, be honest. We like it when people that we don't like, you know, run into the wall. Or the glass door at the condo. You ever seen that? Bam. You've seen the videos. But the Bible says that we should rejoice when something good happens to them. So they won the lottery. They got a new car. They, They got a new pair of shoes. Whatever it is, we should rejoice in that. Listen, somebody you don't like, you walk up and they got a new pair of shoes, say, man, that's a nice pair of shoes you got on. It makes a difference. And we should weep with those who weep. I'm sorry you're going through a tough time. Even if you don't like that person, say, I'm sorry you're going through a bad time. I will pray for you. How can I help you? Mm -hmm. Do not repay evil for evil. Try to do the right things. That's what it's saying. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It doesn't say live in peace with everyone. There's a difference. In peace implies that everything is perfect. I promise it's not going to be perfect until Jesus comes back. It's just not going to be perfect. Relationships are not going to be... Even the best relationships on the planet are not perfect until Jesus comes back and we meet him. Because we're humans. We... We have needs, wants, and desires and expectations that just go crazy sometimes. If you're a teenager, you've got hormones that are going crazy at times. I mean, things just don't work right all the time. But the Bible says, as much as lies within you, live at peace. In other words, do your part. Try to be at peace with that person you're not crazy about being around. Try to be at peace with them, even if you're not in peace with them. Live at peace with them. Not in peace. Be at peace in yourself. Be at peace with Jesus. I have found that when I'm at peace with Jesus, the world looks different. But when I'm not at peace with Jesus or myself, the world looks a little worse. And so we must find a place of peace in Christ in the midst of these relationships. It says, do not take revenge. Right? And, and so here's where Paul gets to it. If the person you don't like is hungry, feed them. If the person you don't like is thirsty, feed them. Since it will heap coals of fire on their head, that doesn't mean God's going to rain down fire and brimstone. God's not a fire and brimstone God, okay? He's a, he poured out all of his wrath on Jesus Christ when he hung on the cross and died for our sins. God's not up there with lightning bolts. He's not up there with a baseball bat. He's not up there with a big stick or a belt waiting to beat us when we, when we mess up. That's not the God, right? Right? The Bible says in Romans 2.4 it says it's God's kindness that leads us towards repentance. Not God's belt or his stick or his belt. Whatever. God doesn't beat us. He's not waiting to beat us and punish us. All that was in Christ. All of your sins, all of our sins, were in Christ when he died on the cross. All of God's wrath was satisfied because Jesus said, Dad, I'll take on the sin of the world. I'll die on the cross for all these sins. And then I'll come back to life. And Dad said, that's enough. That's all I require. So God's not out there trying to punish us for our sins. God is there waiting us to repent and turn back to him. And so the coals of fire means the person will eventually think, you know, maybe I could act better. Maybe I could act better toward Wayne in this situation at work. Maybe I could help him more at work than just saying I don't like him. And... When we do things for people, when we bless those people we don't like, when we engage those people we don't like, in, in the smallest of ways, it, they begin thinking, hmm, maybe I need to change. Maybe I would like to have a better relationship with this person than I have right now. So here's five things real quick, like, and then we're finished. And if you follow me, they're gonna spell something, we'll see who can come up with what it spells. The first thing is do what is good. Paul is calling us to do something. Do what is good. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul is telling us we are to do what is good. The second thing we're to do is to do what is right. Do what is good first. Do what is right. Can you think of something good to do to someone or for someone that you don't like? Can you think of of that right now? Could you send them a letter or a card? Prayed for you today. You know, this morning, 6 o'clock, I got a text. Awesome. One of my pastor friends texted me this morning and said, Jim, I just want you to know I'm praying for you this morning. I'm praying that God would speak to you this morning in a mighty way. Wow, man, what a blessing. What a blessing. Now, I think he likes me. We hang out a lot. (laughs) But he blessed me this morning with a prayer. He'd been praying for me this morning early. Do what is good. Do what is right. Right? Listen, it's always right to do right. Right. Let's say that together. It's always right to do right. It's a good principle. Teenagers, children, it's always right to do right. Let that be the foundation of how you work with, work in this world. Just think it's always right to do the right thing. It always is. So do what is good. Do what is right. The third thing is do what is appealing. Do what is appealing. Do what is appealing. So with this person you're not really crazy about, do what appeals to them. Right? Now, let me just say one thing. This is kind of a parenthesis here. We all need to set boundaries with people in our lives. And if this person that you really don't like has some issues that are dangerous to you or destructive to you in any way, you are not required to hang around them. Right? You're not required to stay in that environment and, and, and take that that abuse or that punishment or that. No, you're you're to set a boundary. That's what it says. Paul says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We are to set a boundary and say, no. But when you have the opportunity to do something that's appealing to them. So if they like pizza, right, and they hate shrimp, don't take them out to eat shrimp. You understand what I'm saying? If they like pizza, take them out to eat pizza. Does that make sense? Do something that's appealing to them. Paul is telling us if they're thirsty, if they're hungry, and that's just an... That's just an illustration Paul is using here. You can, you can put anything in there, right? If they're thirsty, if they're hungry, just change the word. If they like pizza? Buy them a pizza. If they like shrimp? Buy them a shrimp. If they want to go to Hawaii? Buy them a ticket. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm stuck on Hawaii, Gary. So, so, what is good? What is right? What is appealing? And here's a, here's a tough one. What is contrary to your flesh? What is contrary to your flesh? When you see that person you don't like and you immediately think, I'm going to run away from them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to be around them. I'm going to say something rude to them. That's your flesh calling out. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to be rude to somebody. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to curse somebody. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to To harm somebody. Holy Spirit will never do that. So move contrary to what your flesh is. So if your flesh says, I'm going to run, I don't want to be a part of this, I'm going to get away from this, I'm going to yell at them, whatever, move in the opposite direction. Move contrary to what your flesh is doing. So do what is good, do what is right, do what is appealing, and move contrary to what your flesh wants to do. And then the last thing is do something extreme. Do something extreme. Isn't that what Jesus did when he died on the cross? Well, wasn't that extreme? He said, I'm going to take all y'all's sin. I'm going to put it inside of me. And I'm going to die for you. That's about <laughs> as extreme as it gets, right? Jesus is our example. So if that person likes pizza, buy them two pizzas. You understand? Do something extreme. Do something a little bit more a little bit more than what's expected. Do something a little bit more than you thought. Jesus told the story or when he was doing the teaching. He said, go the, go the extra mile, right? If someone says, go one mile and carry my backpack, carry it two miles for me. If someone asks for your coat, give them your raincoat also and your umbrella if necessary, right? That's extreme. Jesus is all about teaching us to live an extreme life where we're giving away, giving away. More than what is required. So what does that spell? Grace. Grace. Doesn't the world need more grace? Doesn't that person that you don't like need more grace? Don't they? They need more grace. And so you can be the grace provider. We have salt shakers. Why not grace shakers, right? Where we pour out grace wherever we go. I encourage you to do that. Matter of fact, I challenge you to do that. To pour out grace in someone's life that you have to live with or work with or go to school with or hang around a lot that maybe you don't like, just pour out more grace in their life and watch what God does in their life. Watch what God does through the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you to them. Would you do that? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Father, for the grace that you demonstrated to us when you died on the cross. Father, come show that grace to us this morning. Come pour out your grace into all of our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we've all got people in our lives that we're not crazy about. Father, help us to have an extra measure of grace for them today than we did yesterday. Come, Holy Spirit, now. Pour your love into our heart. Pour your grace into our heart. Pour your love through us. Pour your grace through us. May the world be a better place tomorrow because of what you're doing through us today, right now. And Father, I pray this morning for that person who may be here this morning that is not a believer in Jesus Christ. I pray that they would come to trust in you as Lord and Savior. Move on their heart right now, Holy Spirit help them to say yes to Jesus. Like so For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.